Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. The following podcast is a member of the Great Big Owl family. All of television history is contained in the box of delights. Hello, I'm Julia Rayside. Each episode, my guest chooses a favourite TV memory to talk about. Joining me today is the comedy writer and my husband, Joel Morris. Joel, hello. Hello. Welcome to the Box of Delights again. Thank you for having me back. <laughs> I had no choice, literally. I'm holed up with you here. There's nobody else here to interview apart from our son. <laughs> he wasn't available. <laughs> yeah, he literally turned me down. Um, tell me what you brought to talk about today. I've brought... The most important. The most beautiful. The most magical. Saggy old cloth cat in the whole wide world. Bagpuss. And I have brought the Mouse Mill episode. Yes. Now, this is this is our first request episode, basically, for the Box of Delights, because someone on our Twitter feed was asking, do we, and people do ask a lot of the time, like, are you going to do this? Are you going to do the A-team? Are you going to do this? But actually, I think in these times of coronavirus, it's the perfect thing to do. It is the comforting and right thing to do. It's Yes, it's a very cosy thing. I mean, Bagpuss was voted a while ago now, probably, be hey Dougie now, but was voted the most popular children's character ever. It was in 1999. Is that how long ago that yes, was? Yes, I know, yeah. 156 years ago. <laughs> Which is testament to like how beloved it is, because there's only, was it 12 episodes of it? It's not 13. 13 yeah, episodes. That's th- it, yeah. There's 13 episodes of it, but I think it was repeated twice a year for most of our childhood, so everyone got a chance to see it. Yeah. Um. And it's just there's something very, very comforting about Bagpuss. There is. Some people, depending, I think it's a generational thing, very few people I've mentioned to have said they find it eerie or unnerving. Maybe it's the music or the CPO opening or whatever. But yeah, pretty much everyone, everyone we like finds it really comforting. Well, I'm going to confess something here because I'm a massive Oliver Postgate fan. Mm-hmm. Probably if I was asked to name heroes, he'd be in there in the top sort of five. Mm-hmm. Somewhere up and there. And Peter Fermin. Uh, yeah, basically. Can't have one without the other. Yes, I see a small films would be up there as my sort of like creative heroes. But I have a confession to make. Bagpuss scared the living oh. hell out of me growing up. It was the programme I was most frightened about coming on the TV, more than Doctor Who. Wow. And I would hold my breath during it. <gasps> I'd watch to see what the mice brought in. And if it was the wrong thing, if it was one of the episodes I found scary, I would run out of the room. Oh, my God. I found it really frightening. Now, I'm a really big horror movie fan now. Yeah. Yes. And I think this is the first time I ever saw something that scared me that I loved. Because it was just uncanny or it's strange? eerie. Or... I've thought about this a lot because I unequivocally love Bagpuss. Yes. I think Bagpuss is the most, one of the most wonderful, magical programmes ever made. I think It and Nog in the Nog are probably my two favourite things I yeah. ever did. I just think they're so good. There's something in it that gets over the fact that I found it creepy and eerie and weird. Mm. And it's undeniable. It starts off, it's not made in the same world as other children's programmes. No, it's it really world isn't. Of its Small films is a whole world unto itself, I think. But one of the things it's got in common with, which is another thing I love, is it feels like 
experimental Czechoslovakian animation. Yeah. It feels like... I was a huge fan of Jan Schwenkmeyer when I was at art college, the guy who made Alice. Does these experimental, very challenging, communist uh, stop-motion animations. Yeah. And watching Bagpuss again, I went, oh my God, this is the first time I saw that slightly creepy, unreal object come to life. European. Yeah. Can we say it's the, it's the proto-toy story? It's only occurred to me yeah. today, it is the first toy story. It's something that scares you as a kid, that your yeah. toys might come alive when you're turning away. That... Yes, I suppose so. They do wait until Emily leaves. So let's talk yeah. about the setup. But if you haven't seen Bagpuss, what are you doing? It's all over YouTube if you can't get the yeah. DVDs at the moment, but it's just, it's worth it. It's lovely. It was in 1974 that it was made and it features Emily, who's actually Peter Furman's daughter, Emily. Uh, and she's kind of looks dressed almost in Victorian children's clothes, yeah. long dark hair, and she's in black and white. And she comes to this shop every day and leaves something in the window. And then Bagpuss and the other toys in the shop come to life after she goes and they look at the object. They either repair it or they make up stories about it. Or It's beautiful. I like the detail the shop did not sell anything. Yes, it's very... I mean, the things you've got to understand about Oliver Postgate particularly is that Oliver Postgate's dad was a very, very left-wing politician. And there's sort of socialist, almost communist politics. I think with his BBC royalties, he didn't he open a wing of uh, an orphanage in Romania? Yeah, he's oh, very, very charitable, very, very works, yeah, uh, yeah. socially responsible. He got in trouble for doing Nog in the Nog episodes that were about CND. <laughs> yeah, uh, He's very connected to that sort of very left-wing thing. So there, there's great jokes in Bagpuss. The mice who work, who are the workers, the Bagpuss' familiars, and they yeah. run around, they, run, they live on the mouse organ, and they run around. And there's a great one where they go on strike. Mice not sing, mice not work. <laughs> and it's got this real sort of 70s slightly left-wing feel about it. Yeah. And the shop doesn't sell anything. What it is is that an object will be found, a found object will be dropped in front of Bagpuss. Bagpuss will magically awake, and then when he wakes up, all the other toys in the window wake up. And he wakes up because Emily says an incantation. Bagpuss, dear Bagpuss, old fat furry catpuss, wake up and look at this thing that I bring. Wake up, be bright, be golden and light. Bagpuss, oh hear what I sing. Yes, some magical ritual is engaged. So, but it's all slightly odd and weird. And it's it's odd and weird because no one's told him not to do this. This is someone just telling you a story, like yeah. a dad or an uncle or it's a amazing. granddad telling you a story. And they're making it up as they go along, but with the rigour and the skill of a really master storyteller. Oh, yeah. He's one of the best storytellers we've ever had, certainly and, working for children. And the medium, the different mediums they use as well. So there's obviously the stop motion animation, these incredible puppets, sort of wooden puppets and stuffed toy puppets. And, the ver- and then the mice are incredibly intricate. And then there's sequences, usually during the songs, where we see Peter Furman's exquisite illustrations. Cut out illustrations just, they might be on camera for like three or four seconds but the work that's gone into yeah. them absolutely they're just gabriel the toad who's the banjo playing toad. There, there, there are two there's a madeline who's a ragdoll and gabriel yeah. who's a toad who are played by two folk musicians yes and gabriel the toad is live action very often uh-huh. <coughs> he's a he's a hand puppet because they wanted him to be in time for the music to sing which is very hard to do in stop yes. motion so weirdly that i found uncanny as a kid that suddenly one of them would really be moving <laughs> yeah that and then is some odd. of them were stop motion like wallace and gromit and then suddenly there'd be a it would suddenly change quality. And it was very eerie. And I think that's what people find weird about it is as a kid, animation was a treat. There wasn't a lot of animation on television. And it was quite brightly coloured and it was quite Hanna Barbera or, yeah. or Warner Brothers occasionally they would show us Tom and Jerry or something. But it was a luxury because you were desperate for Disney time to be on. Yeah. There wasn't because it was expensive to make. Or Rolf's cartoon time. Yeah. Well, R.I.P. They, <laughs> but they'd show you American cartoons. Yeah. Very, very slick and very, very high quality. What you hadn't seen as a kid was low-budget animation. No. 
on Jack and Ori and things where they show drawings, they just pan across a drawing. The fact that the drawings were coming to life, as a kid, I'm thinking, this is a thing I have to watch because they've made this for me. Yeah. And they've made a lot of effort and this is magical. This is as good as the Pink Panther because they've made a cartoon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then it wasn't like an American cartoon. It was like a European low-budget cartoon and it was all handmade. Yes, just, I mean, gorgeous, gorgeous handmade Which I think stuff. as an adult, I go, this is beautiful. But as a kid, I went, what's this? Yeah. It's weird. So talk about the episode we're looking at today. It's episode eight in the run of the... 13 and it's called the mouse mill i think the mouse mill is a really good way into backwards because it's a really good story yeah there are in the window uh, alongside backwards the cat who's in the window which is a lovely observation that cats would like to live in a window yeah. cats like sitting in windows sunny windows uh, alongside him are his, the mice who work on the mouse organ who basically are the workers in the in the, the shop and there's gabriel and madeline who do the songs Bagpuss is the magical cat whose magic brings the objects back to life and tells their stories. And then Professor uh, Yaffle's there to disapprove of them all. <laughs> who is a carved wooden bookend. And I love the idea that he's a bookend. So he's picked up knowledge from the books that are next he's to him. He's Bertrand Russell, isn't yeah, he? Yeah, he's based on Bertrand yeah, Russell. He's, yeah. he's the kind of fusty left-wing academic that would have been around Oliver growing up with yes, his dad. absolutely. And he is the voice of reason. And Bagpuss is the voice of magic. Yeah. And the mice are also the voice of magic. And the great thing about the Mouse Mill episode is it just takes it really back to basics. And there is a battle between rational thought, yaffle, and the magic and the trickery of the mice and bagpuss. The big subjects. It's brilliant. It says, uh, yaffle says that, that what's going on is impossible and the mice go, just believe. That's a brilliant thing to Yaffle's a teacher. And the, the mice and bagpuss are like kids who are playing a game It's definitely with got that set up, hasn't it? That, that he's trying to keep unruly kids in order, but he's very good natured about yeah. it. Yeah. So this amazing object is brought into the shop by Emily. She goes away. Bagpuss wakes up. And it's a really incredible model. It's um, beautiful. It's a, it looks like a sort of a small house, a wooden house. But then it kind of opens out threefold, sort of from the top and the sides, yeah. into this incredible, the fascia of a basically a mill. Well, what happened with... with doors a lot, and ropes and pulleys and... A lot of the objects, I mean, small films made these films for almost nothing. And they were made in Furman and Postgate's sheds in, in Kent, in their, their houses yeah, in and their Bleen, sheds. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, yeah and yeah. they just made them on their own. So what Oliver Postgate did to do this, it's a classic art thing, very 60s, is he went and looked for found objects. He uh-huh. went around the house and would pick up an ornament on the mantelpiece and, and then go, wrote a story around that. What's this? What could this be? Wow. But this is one of the rare ones. There are a few of them where Peter Furman or Joan Furman, his wife, would build him something. Yeah. And this one, Peter Furman has built... A beautiful like Victorian children's toy of a mill. It's gorgeous, yeah. Uh, I think Oliver Postgate said it was his favourite model in the whole series. It, it, opened... it works, it's incredible. It's a toy. A yeah. kid wants a toy. You, There's something tactile. I think it's, it's the one this. that stuck with me, it's true. Well, the chocolate biscuits stuck with me as well because they look delicious. Or it's, it's a mill, it's a mill that magically makes chocolate biscuits. Yeah. It's got a Willy Wonkiness to it. Yeah, I just remember finding that truly magical whenever I finally saw it. So this is the year before I was born when the repeats were on. I just, this is the one that stuck. I think it's the one that sticks for lots of people yeah. because of that, because of the yes the willy wonkiness of it but it's got it's a toy and there's something lovely that that shouldn't be underrated in backwards it's backwards toys which they didn't sell for years they started selling backwards toys when i think when oliver first got ill yeah and the family finally agreed to merchandise it and the merchandising went nuts because you want to own all this stuff you want a backpuss you it's want true. a clanger they're yeah. lovely but they objects. weren't about that they were just about telling stories uh, but weirdly everyone wanted to own it and the yeah. thing about backwards that's lovely is that a lot of the objects that are brought in are dirty and dusty and victorian they're bored and i don't want them in the house no but I want a mouse mill and I want a cuddly bagpuss. Yes, please. <laughs> well, we've got one of those. We have got your ancient pyjama case. That's not a cannon bagpuss. It's a bootleg bagpuss. I think Boots used to put them out in the 70s. Yeah. I, I inherited it from a cousin. But he's but very he's, well loved. 
he's precious. Even to this day. Um, okay, so the mouse mill is revealed and then the mice, they knock on the door. No, they, they ring a bell, they knock on the door. Well, the, the, one of the questions that's often asked is who could live, it's like Lloyd Grossman, yeah. who could live in a house like this? They often ask that, who would own this? They're sort of, they're looking for clues as to who the forgotten object that Emily's brought in yeah. belongs to. Who would live in this? And it, it's a beautiful post-game Fermi moment where they knock on the door, the mice knock on the door, see who lives in there. And there is the sound of someone coming out of it. Yeah. Footsteps echoing. Like properly spooky, scary, what's coming footsteps. Yeah. Oliver Postgate built all his own equipment. One of the ways he could keep the prices down is he built his own cameras and bits of old bicycle parts. He was an engineer. Amazing. And he And he built, I think he built his own reverb unit. And Oliver Postgate's reverb unit is one of the first things I was ever scared of. Because <gasps> it's, it's a homemade one, so it doesn't sound like real echo. It sounds like psychedelia yes it's, it's definitely a bit of zowie isn't you're, it? <laughs> you're definitely on drugs it reminds me of the really strong asthma medication i had growing up that made everything echo in my ears so you get these echoey footsteps and the door opens and thank god within seconds of the kid going who's going to open the door is it a monster yeah it's, it's charlie mouse it's charlie mouse yeah, 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 it's charlie, charlie mouse, mouse. Yeah. who's obviously one of the star mice comes out and he's the miller and the mice immediately drop into showing you how the mouse mill works yeah and it is magic it's beautiful isn't it so the chocolate biscuits that are made by the mouse mill are made from breadcrumbs and butter beans. Yes. Which is a delightful detail. And they're brought in in sacks. They happen to have these items standing by like a TV cooking show. Yeah. <laughs> Ready to be cooked with the mice. <laughs> yeah. And so he starts putting the butter beans and the breadcrumbs in the top. And lo and behold, they wind the handle and... Plop. Second Satisfyingly, yeah. the most delicious looking chocolate oh, biscuit. God, it looks amazing. It looks like a, I don't know, a really great digestive with extra it's thick chocolate. Just, it's the nicest looking biscuit ever. I want ever. one there, now. There was an episode of Morph where Chaz and Morph fight over a cream bun ah. from my childhood. My brother and I still refer to it as the most delicious food we'd ever yeah. seen. There's something about animated food. When food appears, which again is very Czech animation, appears in stop motion, you go, oh, I want that yeah. because I suppose the camera's in very close and it's yeah. it's a little bit like a kid is when a kid, when you put a plate of biscuits in front of a kid, their head's really close to the table. You don't know it as a grown-up no. and all the biscuits look bigger and more real and, and more vivid. A, yes, it's true. And you feel like a little kid and they present this biscuit and the camera goes in really close to so the biscuit dropping in and you go, oh, I want that biscuit. There's a brilliant bit where Bagpuss, who is obviously a grown-up in this, yeah. leans in and goes, oh, chocolate biscuits. I, I know, he's really rather, excited. Rather like a chocolate biscuit. And you go, yes, Bagpuss, say it. Say how delicious that chocolate he comes close to the hatch to see if he can get the get the next Can one I that comes a out biscuit? it's yeah. lovely <laughs> then it's revealed after yaffle's investigation that they're just putting the same biscuit in the front of the machine and then put bringing it out the back and then traveling around the back and reinserting it and he says it's a trick and he's slightly annoyed it's a trick and then all of them are delighted they go yes it's a trick it was a game yeah and it was a game that you played on the teacher to fool him because it's impossible you can't make chocolate biscuits out of yeah. breadcrumbs and but butter isn't it, beans isn't it nice to think you could and i think the star of this episode apart from everything else we've already said is the song about about bread baking and farming to get it's the bread to, the, to your table. Shine the sun and rain the rain, fall the shivery snow. Hail and wind and sweet again as the year will go. One of the things that makes this episode really stand out, I think, is that it's very contained. So what these episodes are, they're made of short bits. Yeah. They're made of a song and a story and a bit of antics in the shop. It's only 15 minutes, 14, 15 minutes long. A lot of it is in the shop and there's only one time you go out of the shop 
and it's for this song, which is about the turning of the seasons. And it was written by Sandra Kerr and, and John Faulkner, who are a husband and wife folk duo. Who are the toad and the ragdoll. And they're just brilliant. They were found by Oliver Post. I looked, I tried to work out where they were from. He said he knew their music from a thing that had been done with Tony Robinson called Sam on Boff's Island that ah. Michael Rosen had written. I remember very vaguely from being very small. Yeah. They'd done the theme music for it. They were folk musicians. The other thing that their connection with it is that Sandra Kerr used to be Ewan McCall and Peggy Seeger's au pair. Wow. You McCall and Peggy Seeger, first time ever I saw your face. The, yeah. the, the communist hard line of British folk. They knew each other. Wow. And the Seeger, Seeger and McCall knew Oliver Postgate's dad. I see. So I think there was a connection where he went, oh, you knew my dad. He could get them in and they were all friends in the left wing folk scene. But it's a proper folk song. It's beautiful, isn't it? And it's it's gone into, Sandra Kerr said, it's gone into the folk canon. You can hear people covering it now. And it's Why haven't by you them. covered it? We have. I've done it live. Oh, seriously? Yeah, I've, done oh, it live. I've never heard you do it. I've done it live with my brother in a folk club in Cambridge once. Wow. Uh, Stick in the wheel, do it. It's, <gasps> uh, it's just, it's it's become a folk standard and it's from a children's programme because at the time, the people who were making children's programmes, because they weren't being paid very much, just did what they wanted. Yeah. And so if you wanted to put some folk songs into it, as a kid, I was raised by these people who were making this and they were all sort of weird little left-wing folkies. Yeah. Finger bobs and oh, this. Yes. They were all these people who had come from that scene who'd gone into education because it's kind of a left-wingy thing to do. Yeah. And they'd run up, oh, make some children's programmes. We can just do art. Amazing. And it's brilliant. Yeah, no, it's completely lovely. Listen, thank you for bringing that in. I think there's going to have to be a part two because we need to tell the story of the day we visited Bagpuss's shop. <laughs> Thanks for listening. You can find links to the YouTube clips from today's episode on our Twitter feed at Box Delights Pod. Come and say hello. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash trip for free shipping and 365-day returns.